All life is transitory, a dream. We all come together in the same place at the end of time. If I don't see you again here, I will see you in a little while in the place where no shadows fall. Faith manages. Faith manages. To stop an outbreak in space. This plague is spreading like wildfire. Who will make the ultimate sacrifice? If I let you into that isolation zone, I can't let you out again. On the next Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. There in podcast land, welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We are a group of newbies watching Babylon 5 for the first time and a group of first ones who have watched Babylon 5 far too much. And before I get started on this episode, let me just say right now, you may want to go ahead and crack open a cold one because this is going to be an interesting conversation based on the last conversation we had and then also based on a conversation we had with uh, when Believers happened. So we are going to be talking today about confessions and lamentations. And before I do anything, I need to do the same thing because this is going to be a talk. <laughs> okay. That being said, I'm Scott and with me is... Emily. Mike. Jesse. Blake. Justin. Nicole. And Kevin. Okay. Before we start talking about kids dying again, because JMS loves to kill kids, let's remind everybody that uh, you can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Links are down below. You can also help the show grow by joining our Patreon. We also have our list of producers on Patreon listed below. Thank you very much to our great council, those who donated the highest amount to really help us out. Also, we have our merch link down below and really just uh, click all the links, click them all. And also click the subscribe, the notify button, the follow, whatever buttons you have on your podcast app or YouTube, all of them except for the down arrow, just don't hit that one. And also be sure to leave a review. And I complained and said we hadn't gotten a review in a while and we got two reviews. So I'm gonna read one today and the other one you can wait a bit so this comes to us from h6453 because that's not a bot we swear if you have ever rewatched b5 this is the show for you rewatching b5 this time has been really enriched by listening to this podcast the newbies watching it for the first time or league of non-aligned worlds as i call them the first ones would understand why bring a fresh perspective to all these episodes it's great to see so many experiencing this 30 year old show that has yet to be surpassed for the first time i look forward to contributing to your patreon and adding something to the first one's discussion beyond the rim and then he decides to take a jab at me because this is usually what happens with reviews scott please don't diss on apple so much as they make this fantastic podcast easily accessible and available to so many. 
If I was a $2.9 trillion company, maybe I would figure out my iTunes platform and maybe I would make it to where my streamer doesn't crash every time Scott tries to watch Ted Lasso, but whatever, fine. Thanks for the review. I appreciate it. <laughs> Scott, if you would maybe be nicer to Apple, they wouldn't fuck with your streaming platform. Right. <laughs> Why do I have to four-step verify every time I forget my password? Why? Why? But thank you, H6453, for your review. And if you want to leave a review and knock on Scott for apparent reasons, feel free to do so on iTunes, Audible, or anywhere else you do your podcast listening. And we would love to see those reviews come in. They really do help the show grow. And when it's a five-star review, like this one was, even better. So thank you very much. Let's go ahead and start talking about confessions and lamentations. And I believe, Emily, you have a synopsis for us. I do. So a plague affecting the Markab appears on B5. Sheridan struggles with how to try to contain it while Dr. Franklin desperately tries to find a cure in time. Jesse, first impressions on baby killing. <laughs> Why you gotta go to me? Okay. Um, so much different than the last episode we watched. I did not hate it at all. Um, I saw nothing of any importance in this episode. No um, complicated plot lines. No controversial things. Yeah. Let me tell you something uh, for all of the people out there that keep calling us woke. JMS was a woke motherfucker. So like I, I, I can kind of having a hard time with people talking about how woke we are when every episode I watch JMS is talking about things that were relevant in the nineties were re relevant in the two thousands are relevant today in 2023. So thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Very, very um, much picked up the pace from the last gem that we got. Had a good time. Justin, first impressions. Well, I mean, let's just open the bag and say, you know, who doesn't feel good after watching an entire race go extinct? Um, but yeah, it's yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, it was it was a horrible thing to watch. It was a horrible thing to experience. Um, I actually I, I, I can see where they're putting a lot of bit, a lot more thought and effort into Franklin's writing. And that I kind of do appreciate. Um, because he's becoming, especially in this episode, you see him become a lot more of a of a dynamic character. Um, and then just, yeah, um, a lot of bullshit that we've seen throughout our history and sadly in recent history uh, that I'm sure we'll be talking about here uh, very shortly. Nicole, first impressions. I was going to interject uh, a horrible thing to watch and a horrible thing to experience just described all four seasons of Lost. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Me either. Okay, Nicole, go. First impressions. <laughs> All right. Um, I thought this episode was really emotional. It was very difficult. It wasn't light. It wasn't funny. It was it was a hard episode. I thought that the acting was amazing. I mean, Delenn and Sheridan, their dynamic made me cry at one point, which I'll talk about later. Franklin, this was a big Franklin episode. And I'm sorry, all the Franklin haters. I always liked him, but now I'm really like on board with him. Like this really showed like uh, it kind of parallel. I don't want to get too much into it because I know we are going to go over a discussion, but I just really thought this was like a very human episode. Like it was it showed their humanity and it really focused on compassion and empathy and 
you know, obviously there was other bad shit going on too, but you really got to see their characters and who they were at their core. And I thought that was really cool. And yeah, I mean, I, I thought it overall, it was a really good episode. It was a difficult episode. It was very relatable to things still that we deal with now. And it was just uh, a typical JMS, let me push the knife knife into your heart a little bit, twist it a little, make you feel and uh, and make you sit there and go, damn. <laughs> That's exactly what I said after that episode was over, was damn. Andrew, first impressions. Yeah, so uh, I thought this episode was all right. Like there's, uh, like overall kind of felt more like a one-off because maybe I was expecting it to be more, like now we're getting into the, the serialized storytelling, but uh, this kind of felt more like a one-off. And there, but there were some dialogue uh, that uh, seemed like it was hinting at uh, the future. Uh, and uh, yeah, as we've already started to point out, this episode has aged uh, unfortunately very well. Emily, first impressions. I liked it. I think seeing it now, as opposed to if we had watched it pre twenty twenty, it would have felt differently. Like, it just would have been received differently. Um, But I thought it was a really good episode for Dr. Franklin specifically. I feel like it showed the best of him. Um, Same for Delin and Lanier. I think it was a really good episode for them. Um, But overall, I mean, it was hard to watch, but it was a good episode. Now let's go over to our first ones who have seen the whole show. And let's go to Mike first. First impressions, Mike. Yeah, this is a to me is a really great episode um it it does i definitely see where others are saying it's kind of a bottle episode and i think that's okay it's it's a super heavy subject matter it's it's one of those uh i hesitate to say like that i like it or i love it because it's dark you know it's like it's it's the it's the whole how do you react to somebody's facebook post about their dog dying do you like it (laughs) like you know do you put a heart react on it i don't know but uh this is a very good episode with some very excellent performances, a very well-written and, and uh, you know, unfortunately relevant storyline. Um, we have uh, the return of uh, Jim Norton in a different character role. He's no longer Wellington back as uh, Dr. Lazar, and he was incredible. A very good performance. Um and yeah, I mean, it's it's just an all-around good story that really challenges the viewer. Blake, first impressions. So much like Mike, I really like this episode for a lot of reasons, but one of the pieces is just how well this story, one, remains relevant, but also how it wove in parts of, at the time, what was not that distant history. Um, looking at, you know, this Markeb plague, the way they talked about it, it started on an island of people that were impure and unclean. You know, looking at the re- the global response to the HIV AIDS epidemic and, you know, there were funeral homes that wouldn't even take bodies from that, um, wouldn't even conduct funerals uh, for people because it, they these people were unclean. They were sinners. They were all of these things. And looking at the story that this would have been written, you know, 93, 94, very much close to that. But you watch this 30 years later. And you watch the COVID response and it, how much in early COVID did we see attacks on Asian Americans and slurs used about Asians uh, because of the origin of the COVID virus. So for a show that's 30 years old to have been making a point then on what was the very recent events in history to 30 years later still remaining relevance, I think this episode just highlights the strength of the writing of this show and why it has such an endearing fan base. 
uh, today uh, that's growing beyond what it originally had. Kevin, first impressions. I also hesitate to say I like this episode. I don't enjoy watching it. Uh, it's one that I kind of dreaded. And we were originally going to do it on Easter. And I was like, oh, what What a subject for Easter. But uh, our. No, so we talked dicks instead on Easter. That <laughs> yeah, was so yeah. much better. But as everyone can tell, our production schedule changed. But uh, I got to agree with Mike. It is good to see Jim Norton again in a different role as uh, Dr. Lazarin this time around. I like the dynamic with Franklin. This is definitely a good Franklin episode. It's good to Lennon Sheridan and Lanier episode, too. Um, you know, it uh, it definitely is is heavy. It definitely is very disturbing and sad. Um, but and I, I didn't feel like the last scene in the show really captured the 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 sadness that that it should have caused past the the Delenn and Sheridan scene, which we're I'm sure we're going to talk about. But um, yeah, overall, this is one of those good episodes that I probably wouldn't watch very often. Yeah, and I'm going to preface what I'm going to say with a little bit of my background, just real quick. This is the first time I've watched Confessions and Lamentations uh, since COVID. I did my last watch through, I think, 2018 through 2019. And for me, this one hit really freaking close to home, more so than usual, and for everybody too, I'm sure. But I worked for the Illinois Department of Public Health when the Wuhan virus, as we called it to begin with, I was deployed to the Emergency Operations Center, and my job was mass care. So I was one of the heads of mass care, which meant I got to do all the sourcing of PPE, but also I got to do all the sourcing of body bags and refrigeration trucks and things. Luckily, we didn't have to use as much as we were worried we were going to have to. But watching this hits home for me. I think this is you guys have all said it. I mean, JMS, this is his first. He doesn't know this at the time because he didn't plan this, but this is his first of a whole string of episodes where he'll be the only writer. And I think it's a good way to start um, this string. And yeah, it doesn't, it's not a heavy lore episode. We don't hear much about the shadows. We don't hear much about the Narn and Centauri, but we get to learn a lot about our characters. And I really do appreciate that. And I think it's written well without being heavy handed. And so um, actually, it is more painful to watch now that we've been through a pandemic and we failed miserably at it, but it actually is more interesting to watch now too. And to Kevin, your point real quick about how you didn't think it was emotional enough at the end, uh, that scene at the bar, my God, that is the United States and most of the world, 2021, 2022. How pathetic is that? Yeah, very. That's, hey, let's make a joke about it. A couple million people died. Let's make a joke about it. We saw it. We all saw it. So yeah, I, I guess what pathetic. I was referring to was the, the the scene with Sheridan afterwards where he's like, well, we really dodged a bullet there. And it's like, no, you yeah. didn't. Like, mm -hmm. that is a really unfortunate yeah. choice of writing in that one scene because uh, it, it's like, well, yeah. eh. Was it an unfortunate choice of writing or was it the perfect choice of writing? Mm. Are we now if if we're if we're watching and I love Star Trek, don't get me wrong, but if we're watching Star Trek and Picard said that, that would be bad writing because that's not Picard because Picard's perfect. Sheridan's not perfect. Sheridan's a human being. So I think that was written on purpose, my opinion. Okay. I could be wrong. All right, let's get into the conversation. Jesse, what do you got? So I'm going to 
agree with Kevin about the the gravity of the situation. I don't know if it was um, portrayed as as like detrimental as it was because you know they they make the statement about how they lost two million. Basically, the entire race has been wiped out, right? And they say, oh, it might be you know, it might be, there might be a few here, a few there, like if they're isolated, whatever. But it was very, I don't know, to me, when I was watching, it was very just nonchalant kind of. And it was, it, it was hard to kind of grieve for it when it was so like, pass it by. Like, this is what happened. We're going to pass it by. So I absolutely, you know, when I say, oh, I enjoyed the episode or I had it, I don't enjoy like seeing a child <laughs> And knowing that that kid is going to die. Because like the, if, if, what I realized today during, during the episode is, holy shit, we don't see kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, I saw the kid and I'm like, mm, is that the first time we've seen a child? No, the last time we saw a child, the child die. And then we didn't see any more kids. And now we're seeing another kid. And the kid like is, and I knew as soon as she walked up to her dad, I was like, that kid's going to die. <laughs> Big old <And> bullseye. <laughs> like, right. And like, so, but you know, you noticed when they were all walking in, you saw one child. So you don't, we don't really see a whole lot of kids on the station, like I, ever, right? Am I wrong about that? Because I feel like I haven't, maybe I'm just not noticing, but um, I feel like every single time we're seeing a kid, the kid's not going to make it through. It's like foreshadowing sucks. But anyway, I, I you know, it, it just like, I feel like the whole episode was heavy, but it wasn't, I feel like as heavy as it probably could have been. Justin. I kind of actually have to disagree uh, with my good friends, Kevin and Jesse, on this one. Oh, no. Ah, I, I, I honestly think that scene was done perfectly. And the reason why is we were seeing, and it wasn't million, it was billions that were wiped out. Was it billions? Oh. Yeah, it was billions. Two billion. Like, the whole and, race. Like, yeah, I the mean, whole race kind of, was wiped you know, out. But how, how else would you expect a news channel to cover that. I don't know. Exactly. Very nonchalant. Like, this is what happened. You know, they're gone. And I think the scene was more about scapegoating than it was about making any kind of wrapping up and sharing the whole gravity and sharing people's loss because that damn bartender got right up there and Mm. did exactly what the Catholic Church did during the Black Plague when they blamed the Jews for poisoning the wells. They blamed the Vorlons. I heard the Vorlons went down and poisoned the planet, and that's what caused this whole thing, and cracking jokes about it. And it's just about how humanity, even though thousands of years later and how many you know light years into space, we still haven't changed a whole lot. And I think that was, I think, what JMS was trying to get across with that scene. What Franklin said, last lines of the show, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Blake, what do you got? Well, and- Pulling from some of JMS's commentary on the episode, and I think where this last scene comes in is he talks about the dangers, and where he says this episode goes is the dangers of politicizing a, a disease and where that leads to, and and that's what we've seen time and time again. You know, we saw that with COVID. Uh, Scott talked. Uh, you know, you were with Illinois Public Health. I was doing COVID response uh, in my job in Oregon as well, and and we saw that everything we did was under that political microscope. Every decision. Every action was through that political lens being laid on top of it. And you had half the people praising you. You had half the people decrying you for any decision you made. And what this episode gets at is when you do the political response to that type of health crisis, 
whether it be a plague, whether it be something, you know, we saw it with Black Death, we've seen it with, you know, HIV AIDS had political overtones laid over that, COVID had political overtones, even looking at, uh, I remember a few years before COVID, there was uh, some Ebola cases and watching the political fallout as they were discussing whether or not to fly these Ebola virus patients to the US for treatment or not. And it was all this political layering on it. It never ends well when you mix politics into this type of science. Real quick to that point, Blake, too. I mean, that hit me too with the uh, the politicians piece that the doctor talks about because um, I'm a recovering politician. I was uh, elected official during COVID as well, too, because I timed things really well. And we were getting death threats, but here's the thing. Here's the fun part. I was literally getting death threats from both sides. Hmm. Okay, I was getting death threats from people who, because I was on a school board. I was getting death threats from people who said, don't send my kids back to school. And then I was getting death threats from people saying, you haven't sent my kids back to school yet. Ah, I believe Nicole. it. I believe Nicole, it. Nicole, what do you got? Um, I was going to say, I thought that the um, the whole, you know, Sheridan's reaction at the end and the, the jerk off bartender and that whole thing, it kind of summed up human nature in a way, because realistically, obviously, we would like to think most people are compassionate and empathetic and understanding, but some people are just fucking jerks. And also... Sometimes when a situation happens, people don't know how to react and inappropriate humor is how they cope. Like for me, inappropriate humor is how I get through almost everything, you know, dark humor, because if I don't do that, the severity, the severity of a situation could could overtake me and I can't handle it, you know. So I think that it was a good juxtaposition of this episode showing empathy, kindness, and caring with Delenn and Lanier and Sheridan and Delenn and the way he comforted her at the end. But also it showed you, oh, well, we dodged a bullet. And then, you know, like his reaction, because he probably just didn't know what to say. And then the bartender was just like a typical shit bag, you know, like, oh, the Vorlons and, you know, just making an inappropriate joke and blaming it on others. Like, and I just feel like it was a good representation of human nature. And like Franklin says, nothing changes. And over time, as we've seen these things happen throughout the years, it is true. Like you said, both sides, you're getting death threats from both sides. When something happens that's in the public and out of people's control, people lose their goddamn minds. And it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on. Everybody's crazy. You know, during COVID, a lot of people were just not thinking right, not thinking clearly. And a lot of that is fear of the unknown and what's happening. Um, so I, I feel like this episode, it was like it thinking about what we just went through and just over the years, like, yeah, the um, HIV AIDS, you know, when that happened, like just seeing that and and all that and, and Ebola, like you said, Blake, like all these things that have happened over time and the reactions and even other disasters too, not just health, you know there's a theme and a pattern where politics get involved, people's opinions get involved, people lose their minds. And a lot of it is just things that are out of our control. And I just think it, a lot of people don't know how to react and that the best and the worst comes out in those situations. And this is a really long way to say that that was just so clear in this episode that like you saw the best and you saw the worst. Um, also side note, just because it annoyed me as a broadcaster, that news lady's delivery, she needs to go back to broadcasting school because she sucked. <laughs> Justin, what do you got? 
Well, I mean, it's I kind of I 100% sympathize with you, Nicole, because that's I think as anybody who's listened to this particular podcast long enough knows we're all sick bastards and we all survive through dark humor and crude jokes and everything like that. And I do, however, think there's a time and place. And that's definitely was a way too soon moment uh, for that particular bartender. And to me, the entire episode felt like, oh, this is all just a little too soon, even though this episode's like 30 years old. I was I was sitting there watching it going, ooh, yeah, this is definitely, this can be triggering in some ways to a lot of people. And it's not only just watching the response from Franklin, which I thought was very admirable. Um, and and not only that, but you see even within all the medical personnel, that fear, you know, and I see that I, I know people who left the nursing industry during the pandemic because they were just so overwhelmed and couldn't mentally handle it anymore and were so scared day after day of taking this virus back home to their families. So when you see the, the medical staff in the med bay hesitant to go in there uh, with when the Pacmara uh, body was in there and just the hesitant and fear in their eyes. And then Franklin finally has to be like, you know what, fine, I'll do it myself. And it's... It's it it's it was a fascinating and but fascinating in a bad way. Um, how to follow this episode with everything that we just gone through and even yeah, all of us in our own lifetimes, how many times have we seen this happen? Like H one N one, when that was supposed to be a big thing. But you know, we'll we'll stop playing disease bingo for now and mm-hmm. you know move on. I. I yeah, it was just really you know just kind of a difficult thing to watch and just the stubbornness of you know, the, the Markov leadership or the ambassador of, you know, when he's like, this is all just, you know, the moral people, this won't affect them. They'll be fine. We're going to isolate ourselves. And, you know, and when you saw that among even with what, who was it? Was it, was it Pat Robertson? The one that said that God, the wind of God will blow COVID away from the righteous or something like that. And it, it was, yeah, it yeah, it was it was it was crazy, man. And I I really think that Franklin did a really good job of being like the the level-headed one almost in the entire station at some point where like I don't care, I'm going to love I'm going to fix this, I'm going to find a way. And when he started like I really started to get a really good feeling for Franklin when he started screaming at his people, "Find me answers, damn it." You know, I don't care, you know, go tear that Pacmara to bits find me the, the, the correlation. And it, it's, yeah, I, I had a lot of different feelings watching this particular episode and it was, it was definitely well worth watching. I, this may be another episode. I won't watch again until I have to, for one reason or another, but it was good. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that pack Marah. Mike, what do you got? <laughs> you can get using inappropriate humor to deflect from a heavy situation. Uh, yeah, uh, to piggyback what Nicole and, and Justin said, the the scene actually in this episode that stood out for me the most um, is being a reflection of, you know, how how a real person would react to a situation is Garibaldi in the corridor, and I'm interested to see if any if any of you agree that you saw the same thing I did, but you know he jumps in as good guy Garibaldi does to to stop the violence, send the, the bad guys away. And when that Markab reaches up for help, there's a moment of hesitation in good guy Garibaldi, whether he should take his hand or not for fear of being infected. And, you know, he does. 
because he's good guy Garibaldi and he does the right thing in the end. But the fact that B5, you know, and Straczynski and, and Jerry O'Doyle, everybody was was not afraid to show that in their hero character, there's a moment of hesitation where even he has to think about that is is kind of shocking, kind of jarring, kind of whatever, but it stuck with me for sure. And, you know, it, it's the exact <laughs> reflection of, you know, Franklin walking into the med bay and, and yelling at his people. And, and I was finding myself feeling riled up and angry at all the medical staff for not wanting to go do their effing jobs. Right. But there's Garibaldi, who who I who I love as a character doing the exact same thing. And suddenly I had a very different reaction to it. And it kind of made me think about the fact that throughout, you know, the most recent one, COVID, um, you know, how many people do we see and know remotely or personally who had situations very much the same, you know, where everybody reacts differently to things and they have to analyze it through a different lens of a very human, very personal experience. So, um, yeah. Blake. So I'm going to preface this with get your hate mail ready for, you know, Gray 17 podcast at Gmail. <laughs> you know, when Jesse started off and said, JMS is a woke motherfucker, I believe was your quote, right, Jesse? Mm-hmm. And, but I think Nicole hit it more on the head that, you know, this episode is ultimately about compassion. And, you know, we've sat there and we've had these debates amongst ourselves and online with what's woke and what isn't. And I'm sorry, but woke is at this point nothing but an insult thrown around by the same people that want to call us snowflakes but feel the need to strap on an AR-15 to go to Starbucks to a caramel macchiato, you know? So that is all woke is at this point, is an insult thrown around by those same people. What it ultimately comes down to is compassion for others, whether that be compassion for someone afflicted with a disease, compassion for someone whose life is different than yours, who has had different experiences, different orientations. And that is what this episode ultimately gets to. You look at Delenn and Lanier's actions towards the Markeb, it's compassion. It's Franklin's anger towards his staff. It's that lack of compassion that they're showing towards those people in that instance. So I think ultimately the theme of the episode hits that point. And I think Nicole hit it on the head with that. Didn't Delenn call it out? Yeah. I didn't know that similarity was required for the exercise of compassion. Yep. One of my favorite lines from Babylon 5. Nicole. I actually wrote that down because that was a great line. Um, but yeah, and going along, along with kind of what you said, Blake, and and something that um, Mike said, the thing that a couple things I noticed too were like, when Garibaldi paused, it, my heart dropped. I'm like, oh no, don't be one of those people. Help him, you know? But I think it was more of like he was afraid and didn't know what to do, but he still ultimately did the right thing in the end. But it really made you think like someone as who's generally pretty like selfless is Garibaldi. He even had a moment of pause. Um, but one thing that really kind of pulled at my heartstrings a little bit was when Lazarin, is that how you say his name? When he passed away mm-hmm. and Franklin just destroyed a bunch of shit and was like visibly like upset. That made me think of like, can you imagine like what the doctors and nurses dealing with COVID patients went through. My best friend was a nurse during COVID and granted she worked in GI. um, She didn't have to take care of COVID patients, but like the, the not knowing if you're like the hospital is like a war zone in that situation. You know, you're putting yourself in there and you don't know what you're getting yourself into sometimes, you know, and they would have to wear the PPE and she would have just lines on her face at the end of the day. And you know, um, she would talk to other nurses and doctors that, you know, were treating the COVID people. And, you know, it was 
very traumatic for them. And it just made me really think about like the fact that like, you know, people are getting sick and people are dying is, is awful, but the people who take care of them are witnessing it and there's nothing they can do. And one thing that I think was also highlighted in this episode was that feeling of helplessness because we've all felt that at some time, whether we had a sick relative or there was an accident that we witnessed, or we've all been in a situation where we could not do a damn thing. And that is probably the absolute worst feeling I think a person can feel. Um, So for me, I thought, damn, what a way to encapsulate that in that one moment when he destroyed that lab, you could just see the anger, the frustration, and just the helplessness, you know, like, and it makes you think about the fact that like, that's a whole nother side that we didn't have to necessarily deal with as just people, but the people who take care of those people are like really having to see a lot of ugliness and sadness. And, um, and the fact that, you know, he wanted to keep going and like, you know, it, it also showed resilience. I thought too, I'm seeing a lot of themes in this episode, resilience, compassion, empathy, sadness, you know, um, it was just really, Something that I may and maybe I'm overanalyzing the episode, but I I just was when I was watching this, these are the feelings that I was feeling, you know, and I just had COVID like two weeks ago for the second time. And compared to the first time when I had it to this last time, the first time I had it, it was terrifying. I was really scared and I have a heart condition. So for me, I was like, oh, my gosh, does this mean I'm going to die? Like, what is, you know? But the second time I had it, I was sick for four days and I had no idea I even had it. And it was like, oh, yeah, just, you know, isolate yourself for another day and then you're fine. Just wear a mask for a couple of days. It was almost like night and day, the difference of like the response and like, you know, um, just the reaction, I guess, and like the rules and like everything changed. So it's just kind of interesting because at first I feel like the the reaction and maybe in this situation with this plague, it was like so like, you know, typical, like typical reaction, but also like over time, if this happens again, people will probably not react as much. So it was just such a good representation. And it was way, way too real for what we've just gone through and just too, too close for comfort. Jesse. So that's Nicole, like hit it again, hit the nail on the head. Um, Because what what got me the most in this episode is how real it was. Because you guys remember the fear that came along with COVID? Like, so we... I remember specifically being at work and I was getting ready to go out um, and do what I do. And my boss said, no, you're not going out, go home. Um, We're shutting down the office. We're not doing any field work. You're going home. Um, And we're going to, we're going to work from home. And I had like, none of us knew what the, the severity of the whole situation was, but as it unfolded, And like the media and like the fear that I, you know, when I did get back to work, because I was an essential worker, and when I did get back to work, and I was going out and I was having contact with the public, the fear of bringing it home to my family was just like the worst feeling in the world. Like, I remember Thanksgiving I was going to not go home to see my mother because I thought I had COVID and I had gotten tested and I was waiting on the results and it hadn't come back. And I ended up going home and wearing a mask the entire holiday. And then as it went on, I didn't hug my mom for like four months because I was so terrified of giving it to my elderly parents. Um, And just the fear that came along with the whole like, the whole thing. And I guess the, the worst thing about it was, I don't want 
to give it to somebody because I see so many people during the day. I don't want to go home and be the reason that my mom and my dad die. Um, Cause that's what like Nicole said it, you get it. And you just like, I got it. I got it years after um, it, it came out. I, I got it for the first time, like six months ago. And even then I was like, mm, how's my body going to react to it? Am I going to die from it? Like, you know, my grandma died from it. My uncle died from it. There were people in my family that we lost that didn't make it out. And it was very, very, very scary. And this whole episode was like, what's going to happen? Is this going to wipe out the entire station? And that's, that was the thing that sat with me the most. Kevin. Yeah, my wife and I had similar contingency plans because I was also an essential worker and it was very scary. The The worst thing that I could think of was, you know, my parents getting sick um, or worse or my, my kids getting sick or worse or my wife. But I can't tell you the number of conversations we had about contingency plans. Uh, I'd run a hotel or I'd do whatever, uh, whatever was the, the new idea of the month. But, um, you know, I could always tell the, the really, uh, privileged people would be like, Oh, you're working from home now. I'm like, no, I don't have that privilege. No, no absolutely not. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and there are plenty of people who work from home and they, they did not have that same reaction. You know, you know, they'd ask or they'd be cool about it, but there are plenty of others who were like, Oh, you gotta be working from home. Right, right, right. No. I, I can't. That's not the kind of job I have. And there's a hundred thousand other people just in, you know, just in the state that have that same type of scenario. And then, you know, multiple across the country in the world. So, you know, I have an understanding, but I guess that's why the, the end of the episode just doesn't hit for me. Um, I like, I like the bar scene. I think that's good, but um there there was something there was something a little bit missing for me at the end of this episode um but i think that um some of the some of the stories which i'll I'll choose a better time than now to to tell a couple of them but um there's there's a couple of the actors in the company on this on this episode who despite the heavy subject matter liked filming it um but it was it, it, to to watch it is tough emily i'm gonna jump a little bit to a new wish topic that would be their discussion of how to respond to this um because for me that was the scene that i don't know felt like it hit it hit pretty hard because you know in a previous episode sheridan talked about um when he was trying to decide what to do about morden and he was telling keffer about coventry and the enigma machine and how do you make that choice and this felt and this was again another situation where he really there really wasn't a good choice for him to make because if you don't know how it's spread you don't know how to respond in the best way to minimize it getting to other people you know getting off the station and going out further into the universe you know without having basic information on transmission and who can be in infected by you know this disease that was on the station there was no good way for them to make a really good decision on how to reduce the potential casualties of it and i felt like them having that discussion in 
So, you know, if we isolate all these people into one area, then it spreads faster among them. And from Garibaldi's standpoint, he's like, people are going to get violent because that's what people do. And if we have them all in one area, we can better protect them from violence from others, but it might also put them at greater risk. And, you know, how do you figure out how to balance that? You know, sometimes you just make a decision and hope it's the right one because you don't have other options. Justin. I mean, I 100% agree with everything that Emily just said. I mean, it was, again, I hate beating the COVID horse here, but the the same thing pretty much happened here where we didn't know anything about the disease. We didn't know how it spread. We didn't know how it transmitted really. And so we didn't know how to build a good response. So I like to think in the B5 situation, at least, um, they did the best they could with the information that they had. Um, but I was actually had my hand up because I was ready to change gears and talk about how Delenn has a kink for station commanders, mm. uh, whenever we're ready to get there. We're there. Uh, yeah. I, I got a lot to say. Yeah. I got a lot to say on that one. So let's, let's do it. Kevin, I, uh, it's, oh, sorry. No. Um, all I was going to say is, um, you know, definitely, if if Delenn was married to Cher, uh, uh, Sinclair, if if Delenn uh, was married to Sinclair, um, she's definitely moved on to a new boo uh, in her life. And uh, in the uh, please call me John. So <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting and not an unforeseen dynamic uh, between those two. But interesting kind of how it all start, is starting to blossom. So. Kevin, do you have still have your hand up or okay? Yeah. Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Mira Furlan really liked this episode. She particularly liked the the scene filming with the the Markeb child. That's the side of her that she likes to to uh to show and film when she does this kind of thing. So um she particularly mentioned that. And this was a tough one for Richard Biggs to to film because of the very difficult, you know, medical and scientific jargon that he, he had to uh, learn lines for. Um, He, he said that he he was joking that he thought JMS uh, thought up this just to give him 40 pages of really tough jargon to learn. But um, it, uh, it definitely is a, a favorite of those two actors, which is interesting to me that they would pick this one, but um yeah, this is this is definitely a a, a really uh, telling um, you know episode for for Franklin's character and the fact that uh, it shows it shows the amount of care and compassion that he has. Um, it, it almost has no limits, and that that's a really good side of him that really hasn't come out yet all that much. Nicole, so I <laughs> when. Delyn and Sheridan had that moment when she asked to go into the um, isolation zone to go comfort the people. And she gave him that amazing line that moment, like when she put her hand on his cheek, that like made me start to tear up. I know I'm a sensitive Sally, whatever. I'm a sap, but that whole interaction with them when she walked away, I've been saying for a while, I think they're going to smash and they had that. She's definitely is all about him. But it was very, very clear that he cares for her because as she was walking away, he like, Delenn, you know, like kind of had a moment where like, wait, and I don't 
think he had anything he wanted to say. And he just came up with call me John next time or whatever at the last time. Like he didn't want her to go, but he knew she had to. And I think that moment he realized he had feelings for her. I mean, I saw it all over his face. I And maybe I'm a romantic, but I don't know. That whole dynamic just brought a tear to my eye. And then when they reunite at the end and she just collapses in his arm and cries, I was like, oh my God, please get married. <laughs> so I was... I've been shipping them for a while and now I'm like, okay, this is totally going to happen. I, it has to, but I also think this was a pinnacle moment in their relationship too, because even at the dinner, like he fell asleep. I thought that was cute. You know, like, um, I just think that this was just, a a turning point for their relationship. And I think it's just gonna, we're going to see them get closer and closer over time. To be clear, Nicole, you've wanted everyone to fuck in this show. At least not one. everybody. No, let's let's be honest. You're like, oh, I want Garibaldi and that Pac Mara to get together. So you No, <laughs> I wanted Garibaldi and Talia to get together. <laughs> Still have time. I know. Nicole Since just wants a tentacle for everybody. You know, I got <laughs> a tentacle a lot of love. in every home. Yeah. I got a lot of love in my heart and I want to see it spread to the world, okay? Londo's <laughs> got a lot of love. Never mind. No. Since we're t- real quick, since we're talking about what's written on Sheridan's face, can we take a moment to think about my buddy Lanier and what's written on his face the entire damn dinner? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. love Bill Moomy and his reactions are just fucking priceless. Yeah. I love Bill Moomy. Yeah. Like when Sheridan almost fucks up the meal and then Delenn's like, oh, well, he's going to have to redo it. And Moomy's face, he's like, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. kill somebody. I'm going to stab that man. <laughs> Jesse, what do you got? So Nicole said that she felt like in that moment, um, Sheridan had realized that he had feelings for her. I think I have to disagree about that because I think he's had feelings for her for a while. Um, because before they even had that conversation, she walked in and he got all freaking googly eyed and was like, Oh, uh, it was weird. And I was like, Oh yeah. And I had the thought of, well, they're going to hook up. And that was way before the conversation they ever even had. So I feel like they've been since the dinner that she had, not the one they just made today, but the dinner that she went to with him, um, you know, to be more human. I feel like they've been at it since then. Like, I feel like they've both been developing feelings since that point. Before I go to Justin, I need a temperature check because before Nicole was shipping the Pacmara, Emily was shipping Sinclair and Delenn. So I need to do a temperature check on Emily real quick. Wait, I never shipped the Pacmara. Whatever you want to believe now is fine. You've shipped everyone (laughs) in that damn station at least once. No. (laughs) Emily, how are you feeling? I'm a little disappointed that she's... (laughs) be going after Sheridan because I mean she was definitely all about Sinclair but but we don't know if most of the relationships are monogamous or if they're more polyamorous so it's possible this is just part of their culture and it's fine did Emily just make them Mormons? You're trying to justify it? <laughs> I did not say polygamy. I said For all polyamory. our friends in Utah, I'm sorry. There's different. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Um, we, okay, we've pissed off the anti-woke folks. Right. We've pissed off Mormons. Pissed off a lot of people tonight. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they do not focus on monogamy. Maybe it's literally you can just love who you love, and it's not like got to be super duper strict. So has three wives. Like who I don't or had three wives. And only two of them wanted to get killed. So it's fine. (laughs) Nicole, I feel like you have something you want to add. 
I just wanted to add, like, I, I, I do think you're right, Jesse. I think that since the dinner is when they like started kind of like, oh, but I think the I think maybe tonight he realized the severity of like maybe she won't come back. And I think it was like kind of like the kick in the pants, maybe that he needed to. It was the you know. dinner at the restaurant with the dress. Yes, yes. That was when it started. And then tonight was the, oh, shit, I better act on this because mm-hmm. she might die kind of thing right. for sure. So one, one more production uh, story I'll, I'll tell has to do with um, the number of Marcab extras they had on this one. So that was a real challenge from a costuming and, and makeup standpoint where they had um, over 50 in the room there. And they, they, Bill Mooney said it was so hot in there that one of the the Pacmara extra, or excuse me, uh, Markab extras, threw up in his mask because it was so hot in there. Um, so he's like, "Yeah, we, uh, Mira Furlong and I were walking around. We definitely felt like the, um, you know, we were in the den of lepers because everyone was so damn hot in there. They're just walking around, but." Um, Anyway, I thought that was a funny story. I, I am glad you, I am glad you brought the Markab. Um, another thing that I love about Babylon Five, and again, I will preface by saying I love Star Trek. But Star Trek, if this was a Star Trek episode, it would be an alien race we've never seen before. We've seen the Markab for episodes. You may you may not notice them, but they go back. I mean, the the, the episode that everyone loved, where uh, Sheridan got that little alien stuck in him, that was a Markab who had the alien inside of it and it was dead reading it as you will, since it was only a few episodes ago and imparted the alien onto Sheridan. So we get to see these guys and they're a part of the universe. And so when they actually get taken out, which they all get taken out, it's more impactful. I think when you, especially when you do a rewatch and you start realizing, Oh, these guys were here for a while. Uh, Along with that, JMS was asking the Usenets, so are the Markab really all gone? And he said, let's put it this way. We were debating if we were going to have some kind of funeral pyre for all the Markab makeup and masks. <laughs> so probably yeah. not going to see any Markabs anymore. Yeah. I, I was going to add that in as because the, there's the second half to Kevin's production stories. There were people joking about having a mask burial for the uh, Markab makeup and costumes after the episode, especially given how much they hated them in that room. The other thing too, uh, meta wise is one of the guys who could really handle the makeup well is the actor who portrayed the Markab ambassador. And you've seen him before too. He was green Drazi right. when he was leading the Drazi. So you're going to hear his voice. voice a lot because he's one of the guys who doesn't get allergic reactions when he puts the makeup on. So he's basically, Hey, we need a speaking alien, stick him in the mask. So You'll be catching his voice a lot. Yeah, he he doesn't usually play the uh, the the awesome feel good about him kind of guy, does he? No, because that yeah. he, when he was a green Markab, man, I wanted to punch him in the face. He definitely has a distinctive voice now. You're all gonna be like, oh, it's that dude again. <laughs> like, uh, Kim Strauss is his Thank name, you. and Thank he you has a much. quite long track record of uh, doing voice work in all kinds of stuff: video mm-hmm. games, anime, cartoons, you name it. So, yep, <laughs> distinct voice indeed. You're welcome every time you hear him from now on. Justin, what do you got? Uh, just one last thing before we move on. I don't like to do this often, but I do have to agree with Scott in saying that 
Nicole does ship more than you. Where are my pearls? Where are my pearls? Clutch them. (laughs) You do, Nicole. We're going to, we, we discussed this. I don't know if you were on this episode. We discussed, we may have to do gray 17 part do where we basically go through and have you all listen to beyond the rims and comment on them. And when we go back, we're going to have to listen to how many times you have wanted somebody to quote unquote smash the shipping count and the shady count. Yes, that's what I'm known you've for. Got, <laughs> you've got our fucking people listening, shipping members of this podcast. This I true. didn't do that. What? Is this true? What? Oh, yes. Yes. oh, yes. There's that's people happened. shipping. Um, oh, God. Yes. You can so, join okay. in that conversation in the no. comments section on no. YouTube. No. I missed I missed this conversation. Oh, no. Nicole, it's under your it's under your getting to know you interview. Yeah, it was even weirder. It's like, oh I, lo- I love Nicole's interview, but let me talk about somebody else. First of all, if you're shipping me with anybody, this is Jesse. I am a married woman. And my husband is not going to let me have a brother husband. So we're not doing any of that. Thank you. <laughs> Funny story. So I'm I'm listening Funny story. To, to the knives, to the knives episode. And I, I said my wife's name at one point and I just said, Yeah, she's making fun of me for watching this episode. And she turns around, she looks at me and she's like, How much do you talk about me on that podcast? I'm like, hardly ever. And she's like, Good. He's lying. He's lying. He's like, lying all the Jeez. time. Oh my gosh. Oh. Because mine mine asked me how come I don't talk about her more. So, wow. Well, that, that might be the difference between a new relationship and a 15 year marriage. Yeah. Keep my name on your mouth. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. Is this put, is this put everyone's significant others on the couch and do like a little bit of a, Getting we should audio. interview them. No, let's not. <laughs> no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of our significant others are on the discord. So if you're on Patreon, you can say hi to them. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Anything else we want to talk about with the death of the Markab civilization or yep. with shipping? Um, can we talk about Kefir and his little outings? Ah, oh, yes. The side, the side quests. Are we going to just like not talk about him going on? Well, on no outings? one ever does talk about well, Kefir. We're going to be busy talking about Nicole and shipping to get to Kefir. She hasn't well, actually shipped anyone with Kefir yet. Nicole and Kefir. I don't know. <laughs> Yes. I still don't like Kefir. (laughs) So I'm shipping him with his right hand. (laughs) (laughs) Give him some Ben Gay. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. (laughs) You don't need lube when you have Ben Gay. Oh, God damn. (laughs) Emily, what do you want to talk about with Kefir? He's going out there on these solo excursions or whatever you want to call them, looking for stuff. And he doesn't know what he's looking for, but he's out there looking. So is this going to cause an issue? I mean, I'm sorry, we're not at question to... predictions yet. Stop it. Hmm. Let me get but my you notebook. You have to understand on the one of the last episodes we recorded of our Star Trek Picard series, Scott also mansplained to Emily. So this is oh, just wow. did too. great thing, You Scott. did too. The next episode you did. They take turns. <laughs> oh, by the way. Emily, we did get a comment on that one that actually somebody quit listening to the episode when they realized that you didn't know who Shelby was. I tried to explain. I have no control over what my brain remembers. <laughs> they literally I, I agree with they, Scott. I, we have to take your, your nerd card. Yeah. No. And I'm nerd. okay with that. I have no control over what my brain does. I wish I did. But yeah, no, you got better. somebody to hate quit our show because of your bad nerdness. Oh, is Shelby the one from Best of Both Worlds? Yes. See, even okay. Justin knows. He's fine. 
I had to Google it. <laughs> oh, bad nerd too. I'm pretty Don't... sure I've said yeah. that TNG is not my series. It's and DS9, but okay. Oh. And she appeared in the. Oh, fuck! I just had a complete brain fart. Lower decks, and I had, and I did, yeah. and I watched that show religiously, and I missed it. Her biggest claim to fame is when she was the uh, uh, first officer of the uh, ship in the series of novels, New Frontier, is I think what it was called, Frontier something. It was an engineering ship. Now I'm going to get comments. Sorry. Okay, Babylon 5, guys. Jesse, Babylon 5. Hi, how are you? Hi, Babylon 5. Um, so as soon as I heard Kefler's name, I knew that, one, the mission was going to be successful, and he was going to go out and not die. And two, um, can we just mention how Ivanova like absolutely smacked him and put him in his place? And he tried to <laughs> he tried to like argue with her. And she's like, what part of that statement did you not understand? And I was like, see, that right there is why they've been saying that she's like me or I'm like her. So because that and is she, absolutely something that I would say to somebody. The best part about that is she threw his rank in there. What do you not understand, Lieutenant? Yes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, it was quite the smackdown for sure. And I liked it. You know, sometimes you forget that they're they're in the military and there's a command structure because you're watching the show and they don't they don't always go into that kind of dynamic. But yeah, she she brought brought both barrels to bear on that that oh. conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you got? Uh, that I'm just blown away that Keffer can like check out some heavy duty military hardware on his lunch break and go for fucking joy rides. <laughs> He's like, and, the, and the commander doesn't know about it or something. Like, right. <laughs> I don't even think Maverick could do that in Top Gun, man. He got in trouble for that kind of shit. Okay, what else we got? I got one question. Any national security leaks on our Discord? I'm just wondering. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the time. Andrew. <laughs> what have have we been using discord for if there was if there was a usual suspect it is definitely andrew (laughs) andrew's the guy what is this about for for those listening at home andrew's the one to where sometimes i have to remind him to turn his damn vpn off because his zoom lags with it on so just say i will not confirm or deny any activities that i Good answer, Andrew. Not my lawyer present. EYA, baby. Andrew, so help me God if we have to give congressional testimony because of your goddamn discord. I've wanted to testify in front of Congress. It's like a one of the bucket list things. So if Andrew makes it happen, whatever. I'm fine with that. I want to go testify in front of Congress. I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to have fun with that shit. Oh, for those five people who are still listening to (laughs) Why are they still here? We have so much more to talk about, but let's go ahead and... let's go ahead and get into our questions and predictions for those who are brand new and are still around uh we ask our newbies any kind of lingering questions they have because they have not watched past confessions and lamentations and then we ask them for any predictions of what they think is going to happen next with the show or not just next but in the show proper if they uh, have any prediction on what's going to happen so since emily already you know started without me having notes ready emily questions predictions well, my first question that you guys kind of are answered was, are all the Markab actually dead? Are they like completely extinct? Or are we talking functionally extinct where there's not enough left to maintain 
the population. Yeah, I feel I can answer this because JMS basically answered it on the Usenets yeah. back in the day. The, even the, what the newscast said is correct. They are functionally wiped out. So there may be a few that would, would, didn't happen to be near somebody with the virus who may be on a colony ship or a scout ship or maybe, you know, on an island somewhere. But the civilization is no more. Yeah, and I was just wondering if how accurate that little news report was um and the next question is does keffer actually discover any shadows on his expeditions because i'm betting he still goes out and doesn't listen and that's all okay we'll go to jesse next questions and predictions okay so questions no but predictions minbar babies that's all we're gonna say I feel it's a new hashtag, Minbar Babies. Minbar Babies. <laughs> Unknown follow-up to Muppet Babies. Minbar Babies. <laughs> yes. I would Don't watch the hell out of that. Minbar <laughs> Babies. We give our dreams. Okay, but is there like a Maury episode where we do is Sheridan or Sinclair? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> would you really you are watch the hell out of that? Not because... Hell yeah. Yes. Well, dude, Muppet Babies were amazing. Yeah, but like, I'm just going to put it out there after watching the dinner ritual and whatnot. Like, the Mimbari are the boringest motherfuckers in the universe. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Muppet Babies, not Mimbari Babies. I wouldn't want to watch Mimbari Babies. Okay. I, I would not, could not. <laughs> this is another thing, too. I would not, could not, Sam. I am. Animal, animals totally warrior cast. I'm just going to throw it out. There. I am so looking forward <laughs> to the Mayhem TV show that drops like next week, by the way. Has anyone what? been following that at all? It is a TV show on Disney Plus with Dr. Teeth and the Mayhem. Oh, the the well, band. Yes, months. yes, yes. Yes. I'm a Muppet guy. For 10 points, where was the first time that you would have seen the Muppet Babies? 10 points. Anybody? My first? What do you mean by where? When, when, was the, the Muppet, when were the Muppet Babies introduced to the world? Was it the Manhattan was it... Muppet Caper? No, not Muppet Caper. No. The great oh, I know what it's called. It's, uh, is it, wasn't it like a Christmas special or something? No. That was a Christmas Justin okay. was right, but he changed his mind halfway through. The Muppets Take Manhattan is the correct answer, which is uh, the best Muppet movie. What year was that? 1982, I think. Oh, I said 87. I was close. All right. Nerds, okay. Continue. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I'm padding the episode here. Okay. So, Jesse, you were done? Yes. I'm done. Andrew, questions, predictions? Yeah, just uh, one prediction. I know we already talked about how uh, the newscaster blaming the Vorlon was uh, like all part of the whole propaganda ploy. Uh, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that rumor is going to turn out to be true, that it was the Vorlon that wiped out the whatever they were called. So your assumption it was the Vorlons in the library with the candlestick? Yes. Okay, thank you. Justin, questions, predictions? Well, I don't like Andrew coming after my my homeboy Kosh. That Did makes me very Kosh? very sad. But you said the Vorlons. That makes well, that I makes me very sad. I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not mad at you, Andrew. I'm just disappointed. And Justin just assumes that everyone oh. in the species is all alike because, as we discussed, we're woke. Right. I think Andrew assumed that. Well, Justin's <laughs> the one that said that Vorlons equals Kosh and Kosh equals Vorlons. So I think Justin's being a big oh gosh uh, associate of property of a dish. <laughs> Send more hate mail to Blake because I don't I don't read it. Um, <laughs> so questions and predictions. Um, does this does any kind of plague variation because the life we're living ever pop up again? Um, and then my main question is how does the 
functional extinction of entire race shift any balance of power in the galaxy? That's one thing I, I was kind of curious about with this episode. And then um, two predictions. Um, I, well, okay, one prediction, because we talked about it earlier with Delenn and Sheridan. Um, I think there's going to be some long-term PTSD effects for Delenn Franklin and Lanier that may pop up from time to time, um, which would be completely understandable and I would sympathize with. But um, And then also to answer one of, uh, I don't know if it was Emily who said something about it, or I wouldn't recommend uh, Ben Gay as a lubricant. Moving on. God damn it. Nicole, questions, predictions. <laughs> this is totally going to be out of the ordinary and off the wall, but does Franklin have like a drug problem? Because he takes those stems a lot like those things to stay awake or whatever. And there was another episode where Ivanova made him go to sleep because he hadn't slept in two days and he just kept taking those things. So like, what's, is that going to be a problem? Uh, or is that a problem? Or is it just par for the course kind of thing? If for those doing the rewatch, because I know Jesse's doing the rewatch, remember that Dr. Kyle also did stems as well too. Yeah. The gathering. So maybe it's a doctor thing. I would say maybe it's like a doctor thing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then also does the plague have anything to do with the shadow people resurfacing? Because they said that it, it was thousands and thousands and centuries and whatever ago. And that's the last known time that Zahadun was active and the shadow people were around. So I'm wondering if the resurgence of the shadow fucks are maybe could have been a cause for the plague um, or maybe that are they correlated somehow? And then I guess also did it come back uh, or is it going to come back? Like Justin asked, that uh, was my other question. Um, and my prediction is, is that, I do think it is somehow correlated to the shadow people. Um, and then also that Delenn and, and Sheridan are going to become an item. Not just Smash. I think they're like going to be together. So it's not going to be like a wham, bam, let's pray to meditate. No, like no, they're going to they're going like to like, you know, be a thing. Well, you see, there will be rituals. Yeah. And he'll get annoyed <laughs> by them like he did in the dinner. It'll fall asleep halfway through. Yeah. Now we have those questions, and predictions locked in. We'll go ahead and let the newbies out the airlock which they're going to much enjoy until we get back next week for divided loyalties. So if you have already watched the show and you want to hear how we uh, discuss their questions, predictions, or if you just don't care about spoilers, stay afterwards for the, uh, after the credits and we will do the beyond the rim segment and talk about all of this. And if not, we'll see you all here back next week. So until next week, I am Scott and with me has been Emily, Mike, Jesse, Blake, Justin, Nicole, Andrew. And Kevin. And like a Markab, we're out. Oh, too soon. Wow. Years is too soon. Also hilarious. <laughs> Jesus. Am I the asshole? Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. 
All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim again. Final warning, if you haven't watched past Confessions and Lamentations, you should leave now because we are going to spoil it. And let's go ahead, guys, and dive in to our questions and predictions from our newbies. And I'm not surprised we don't have too many questions and predictions since it is a relatively bottle episode. But as we were just discussing before we went live again, uh, there's a lot of stuff you can miss the first time you're watching it because you're not looking for stuff. So we'll get into that in a little bit as well, too. So first question. Does Keffer discover anything? Yeah, he does. Right up his tailpipe. Yeah. We might want to phrase that a little better given this podcast. What got him hey, killed? you know, Star Trek Six, man. Things got to have a tailpipe. <laughs> but yeah, so Keffer is going to discover his little shadow friends again, and they're going to discover him right back, well, and then we're not going to have Keffer anymore. Look, it, it was an ill-conceived you know, character and completely throw away. I mean, all, all respect to the actor wasn't his fault, but you know, he, he started as a studio note. We've talked about this before uh-huh. and he was just completely useless. I mean, it, he, and part of that, I guess you could, you could hang on JMS. They could have used him differently, but the bottom line is there's a lot of cast members. They didn't really need him. And JMS was like, yeah, I'm killing him off at the end of the season because I don't want him on the show. 100% of that is right, Kevin. I just love the fact there was a lot of cast members they didn't need him, and then immediately they're going to bring in Marcus. Immediately. So it's not like they get rid of anybody. Right. Well... You know, and you you could argue they really needed you know a, a ranger on the on the show to kind of bridge that. Um, that's why, and he's a more much more robust character, as I'm sure we'll talk well, about. Yeah, well, the reason Marcus why he's more robust is because JMS wanted to write for him. Right. Yeah, because yeah. Marcus fits within JMS's plan versus Keffer was that note of hey, we think you need a young hotshot fighter pilot. Yeah, Top Gun's cool. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Plus the 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 actor that plays Marcus is phenomenal. So I love Marcus Cole, and I, there's a I've actually found when we since we've started this show and we've gotten to a lot of the B five communities, there is a lot of people who have no love for my good friend Marcus. So we're gonna have some conversations both here and also with the crowd because I'm a I'm a Marcus fan. I'm Me too. Okay, let's move right along. I love the way that Justin worded this one. Does any kind of plague pop up again in the show gentlemen just a little in one. the show itself no i mean technically within the show no because the, no. the drop plug doesn't come about until uh, a call to arms and crusade yes mm. it's still b5 universe there's gonna right. be a big flock yeah, universe yes this and, show no and to the other question we had is uh does the plague have anything to do with the shadows we, we there's no been there's not been any confirmation from jms one way or the other however there's been a lot of headcanon people uh playing around with the idea that maybe because again this plague actually popped up like what would they say like, uh, a couple hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. that this could have been a drock plague that they were experimenting on 
in order to beef up their other toolbox of goodies that they have. But there's nothing that confirmed that um, that we know of. I may have to tweet that out to our good buddy JMS once we drop this episode, see if I can get an answer. But yeah, no more plagues in B5, but in B5 universe, there's going to be a decent sized one coming up called the Drock Plague that we don't get a resolution to, sadly, because TNT. We still got to decide, guys, by the way, if we're going to watch Crusade. I've, I've, I've of two minds on this, and we got some time. But I really want to end this show with Sleeping in Light. So I've had some people come to me and say, well, here's what you do. Sleeping in Light is the last thing in the timeline, unless you count Deconstruction of Falling Stars. So make them watch all the movies in Crusade and then come back to Sleeping in Light. But then I'm like, but you got to wait through Crusade. I don't know. So we'll have to have a conversation about that. In about a year. How does the Markav dying shift the balance of power? Not at all. Yeah. Which I think makes sense. There's only two billion of them, and to be fair, they're not exactly a major power. Yeah. I mean, if anything, Wyndham Resorts probably swoops in and starts building timeshares on the Markav <laughs> homeworld almost immediately. It does come back a little bit later, though, because there's the, I think it's season three episode when they're dealing with some of the shadow stuff, and the shadows identify the white star, and they're trying to get away. They jump through the jump gate at the Markab sector. Yeah, that's true. But when And when they jump back, they basically destroy the jump gate, and Sheridan's response is, I hate grave robbers. Yeah. yeah. It does get referenced again. That's true. So for yeah. all those people at the Wyndham, sucks to be them. They're stuck there. Speaking of the Wyndham. <laughs> um, well, they're stuck there in more ways than one. <laughs> did, did, I'm surprised no one really got into the conversation about, we talking about PTSD for Franklin, Delenn, and... Uh, Lanier, what about the PTSD for the rescue op that gets sent to the Markab homeworld and finds two billion people mm. dead? Oh, My hell, God, the that had to go into the, the transport ship. And... Yes, yeah, there's a lot of people dealing with a lot of trauma. Speaking of trauma, does Franklin have a drug problem? Yep, yes, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. You know, sometimes we call people out and say, like, we think maybe they're watching ahead. I don't think Nicole's watching ahead because I think it's been telegraphed really well. Mm-hmm. And also even JMS in the conversation about this episode flat out said, I'm glad people are starting to notice that he's taking a lot of stems because he's taking a lot of stems. Well, and I think they almost did a clever thing here, whether it was deliberate or not, by putting kind of a juxtaposition between Franklin stemming himself to stay awake. And then there's kind of this gaffe about Sheridan falling asleep during dinner and, oh, I wasn't going to sleep anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It just... You know, this is the beginning of that storyline, as we well know, but it definitely is the beginning of the excellent acting that Richard Biggs gives throughout that entire storyline. And He's so more to do. Yeah. 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 And you you really get to see that really for the first time in, in this one, for the most part. Um, there's been other there's been a, a couple other places, but this is really what starts um you know his his exhibition of, of much better acting um throughout uh because of how robust this storyline is going to be now blake you're going to give me crap for saying taking up the tailpipe but he can say uh franklin's an exhibitionist and we're fine yeah okay just check. thanks yeah we're gonna Let's move. Let's move into predictions. Mostly because I would be okay with Franklin being an exhibitionist. He is a sexy man. He is. Predictions. Hashtag. Men bar babies. Jesus. Just one. We'll never see him. Yeah, right. we'll never see him. I already forgot. We know he gets a urn with a drop keeper in it. Yes, we don't know what happens with that urn or the drop keeper or him. But yeah, so 
We will get some Minbar babies. At least oh, once. This is, what, is this the first time they're right about any of the shipping? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Well, I mean, Jesse did ship Talia and Claudia, or yeah, uh, okay, but yeah. we already kind of knew that was happening because right. Claudia Christian let the cat out of the bag on that one. Yeah. Um, I will say though, we were we were having a side chat while we were recording, and Blake and I were joking uh, that there was talks about uh, Sinclair and the fact that right now Dylan is cheating on Sinclair. Well, then Blake and I said in a little private message, "Well, actually, they left the ta- chair open for Sinclair." And then if you, go, if, you, if you go down that road even more, because wow. we had to talk about a threesome with Sinclair, Sheridan, Delin, right? Well, Sinclair is Delin's great, 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 grandpa. Yeah, and then and then Lanier's there, so then it just gets even weirder. So we're gonna. I do love again, much like the the Franklin and the Stems, we're starting to hear a lot more about Valen. And that's absolutely starting to kind of like, oh, who's this Valen guy? Valen's going to return, huh? Interesting. We have to get him some Florin before he returns. What uh, what chat did you guys have this time? Is it what I'm a part of? No, this was, uh, we were just uh, private that's, messaging that's in no, the no, Zoom let's, chat. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so next one. It was all the Vorlons all the time. I got to get that meme of the guy. It's Vorlons. Not really. I mean, Lurker's Guide touched on it a little bit because they said that it's kind of implied that the Marqueb were touched by the shadows at one time. So, I mean, there's there could be an implication there, but it would be headcanon. There's nothing that would establish anything that the shadows or the Vorlons would have been the source of any of this. No, and, and later on in the series, we know the Vorlons <laughs> go on their own little campaign to take out shadow friends, and right. uh, they do it in a more direct way. <laughs> yeah. This is true. This is true. I'm sure it wasn't the Vorlons. Whether it was the Shadows, I suppose you could, you know, have but, some speculation there. But And I completely agree it's not the Vorlons, but we will see the Vorlons try to wipe out entire civilizations oh, yeah. down the road. Oh, yeah. So it's not with that. But when they do it, they bring the laser beams rather than the plagues. Right. So next one, there will be a longer term PTSD effect for Franklin, Delenn, and Lanier. I mean, Franklin's drug use, you could maybe say that there's a correlation between these events but not really uh and i, I mean i think for delenn and lanier's part this kind of doesn't come up again mm-hmm. i wouldn't say so much with delenn because i mean there's that scene and i can't remember the episode but it's and it might even become the inquisitor where there's that scene and she says her mission is life all mm-hmm. life yes it has come the inquisitor yeah it absolutely is and you know i think so i think you know, this is perfectly in character for Delenn because Delenn is, she values life. She treasures life. And whether that be life continuing or compassion and comforting life in its end, I think this is Delenn's purpose. So I don't think there, and you really don't see the PTSD element in Delenn, but it gives her more to fight for. And finally, which we kind of already hit on this with Bimbar Babies, Delenn and Sheridan are going to smash. I do I, I do love the fact that we actually, I think, Mike, you made the joke about there may be some rituals involved. Oh, yeah! Remember, uh, Delenn has to watch him stay awake. Or no, watch, she has to stay awake while he sleeps three times. Watch him sleep, yes. Yes. Um, and then it gets awkward because the ex-wife shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, hello there. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the ex-wife meat puppet shows up. Yes. Well, which, this is uh, awkward. <laughs> the nice thing about this, they're going to smash thing, is JMS doesn't play it out for too long. It's not like you know, a, a CW show 
and yeah, I say that with B5, but a CW show where like, hey, we're going to play the will they, won't they for 10 seasons. No, it's with Come the Inquisitor and then soon into season three, these guys are together. So it's not going to take much, much more long to do. So I'm good with well, that. Because pretty much by the time Earth breaks away, I mean, you've got that line from Delenn. I mean, when she comes through there to save their asses from Clark's forces and it's, you know, you're in front of me, he's behind me. If you value your life, be somewhere else. I think that that right there is the defining moment, especially then when they all come back on the station and it's uh, Delenn and Sheridan embrace at that point. I think that's pretty much the the sealed deal right there. Yeah, he said something about that being the best moment of his life or something like that, shiningest moment of my life, something like that. I just watched those two episodes. I would watch them all day long if I could. They're so good. Any other tidbits, questions, comments that we have based on what the newbies had to say or anything we want to talk about with this episode before we move on to an episode that does nothing for the series, Divided Loyalties. I jokingly say that. Is Kefir dead yet? Oh, sorry. No, but Talia's (laughs) going to be pretty damn soon. Yeah. Spoilers. Okay, with that, I guess there's going to be no other conversation. So let's go ahead and wrap it up there. And again, reminder, uh, because I know Tubi, Roku, all those are sometimes out of order. We are going to be doing Divided Loyalties next week. So until then, we will uh, ask you again to leave a review on Audible, Apple, iTunes, or anywhere else you can leave a review for us. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe, that notify bell, because we do do a lot of live events uh, and dropping episodes. We're dropping at least one or two things every week now, so hit that notify button so you know when it comes out. And then uh, also the the uh, the uh, the up arrow button, the thumbs up. That's what I'm going for. English is good. The thumbs up button. Hit that as well, too. And on your pod uh, app of choice, be sure to do the follow, subscribe, uh, review, whatever you can do to help us out. It really does help the show grow. We are continuing to see more and more people join us every week, and we really do appreciate it. So keep doing all of that to help us out. And again, you can join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So until next week, Blake. Before we do that, since this is going to come out on Wednesday. Oh, you're going to drop it? Okay, go ahead. Just drop it. Make sure on Thursday, uh, we will be doing our live again Thursday morning with the season and series finale of Star Trek Picard Season 3. So join us for that on our live Thursday. And we may just have an announcement during that as well. So make sure to join us for that live on Thursday morning. On that note, I've been Scott, and with me has been Mike. Blake. And Kevin. Mark talk about Bahati Florin. Florin, shut up,